He's like, why do you talk about that stuff in front of people? That's private. We're married. It's I don't want secret. them to know what underwear <laughs> I'm wearing. <laughs> why get in deep? I don't want people thinking about my underwear. Well, no, I didn't tell people that in the, no, the whole just, church about your underwear. But other people. <laughs> I'm like, go buy your husband a pair of these. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently this is what the girls talk about. I'm like, you'll need to get something else to talk about. <laughs> you talk too much. If you only knew. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so today's building your house on wisdom. Yeah, that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> let's let's uh, change the subject. <laughs> this is the subject, babe. That is the subject. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 this you is, should all know it. Yeah, There's, by now. Yeah. Matthew 7, 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching, Jesus speaking, because the words are in red, and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Say solid foundation. Solid foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Look at the person next to you, bump them, say, don't be a dummy. Don't be a dummy. Like a person who builds a house on sand, and when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Yes. And so God is giving us the principles on how to build with wisdom so that we can stand strong through every storm that we face in life. Amen. Amen. And Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 no. Yes. Is it verse 23 yeah, no, or verse three? 3? Verse 3. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3. No, 24. Oh, yeah, 24, verse 3. Thanks, love. I got all my uh, scriptures backwards here, my numbers. I went dyslexic for a second. That's all right. I'm a great helpmate. Yeah, that's why we write it down. 24, 3 says... Proverbs 24, 3, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. Amen. So there's a way to build. And when you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to read about the fool, you're going to read about the foolish woman and you're going to read about the spirit of wisdom. There's the way of the world and then there's the way of God. And if you will build your life on the spirit of wisdom and the teachings of Jesus and the principles found in the word of God, you're going to build a solid life that's unshakable. And we want to make sure that our lives are not shaken. And I've learned this over time, that every time there is a storm that hits your life, it's to test how well you've been building. The storms are actually the grace of God cutting off limbs of things that are going the wrong way. And so whenever we face a storm, we need to say, God, have your way in the storm. Because anything that's not on the right foundation, I am doing things that are going the wrong direction. And let those things be cut from my life so that everything I build is solid. Are you with me? And so I see storms totally different. 
And when you're building solid in the kingdom of God, every storm that hits the world is an opportunity for resources to transfer into your hands. See, when you're building for the kingdom, God moves resources to you. And the only way to shake resources out of the hands of the wicked is through storms. Mm -hmm. And if you'll position yourself in the Lord for what He has for you, when the storm comes, you're not afraid. You go to bed sleep, sleeping sound at night because you know you've built on what God has told you to do and you know that it's solid. Everything that we've built in our lives has not been our idea. It's the Lord said. And we can go back to every place the Lord told us to do something and we know we have a solid word to stand on that it's not just a great idea. And I want to encourage you to build. When you're building, make sure that you have the right foundation in why you're building and what you're building. Right? And then your life will never be shaken. Can you say amen? Amen. So in our household, we want to be very practical today. And we want to talk about some things that are going to help you. You know, it's one thing to talk about scriptures, which are good. But you've got to have wisdom and understanding. Look at the person next to you say, wisdom, wisdom and, understanding. and understanding. The understanding is how to take the knowledge and apply it to get the right result. And so when the Lord gave me the vision for the church, and He took me on a journey where He led me out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land, I had the wisdom for the vision. But then it took me 15 years or maybe 12 years to practically work with it to get the understanding on how that wisdom would be effective. And it's not until you start applying the wisdom that you got to figure things out. Because in your mind, you think it means this. But it's as you work with it, you discover the balance in it. And so, Missy and I have been doing this for 24 years. And there's certain things in our gifting. There's... I might be the leader of the household before God, but she's the manager of the home. Let me say that again. In my position before God, I might be the leader as the head of the household, but the gifting that she carries is to manage the home. And whether I'm the leader or not, I have to submit to the management structure in order for things to function. You see, because if you want your house strong and if you want your house in peace, then you've got to understand who's strong where and you need to be ready to submit to that strength so that everything you do is strong. But if you're intimidated by the gift that your spouse has, you will be jealous of it and you won't surrender to it. And that's where conflict comes in the home because you have pride and you're not willing to work together because you don't want to do it. Because there's cuts. Kata. Because nobody tells the man what nobody to do. Nobody tells the man what to do. <laughs> I am the man. <laughs> and? What are you going to do, big boy? <laughs> <laughs> That's my response. That's her response. What are you going to do? All right. Well, boy? let's watch you do it then. Go ahead. Go ahead. Not kidding. <laughs> and so, 
<laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and so what's great is, you know, the, the longer you work on your marriage, you see, marriage is not something that when you get married, you understand marriage and everything's going to happen because all the dreams and desires that you have, this person is going to fulfill in your life. You've been smoking some bad weed. What? Yeah, that's not how it works. Everything that you want out of a marriage, you have to sow into it. You can only get out what you sow in. And if you're half-hearted about your relationship, you're not going to get much out of it. You've got to be all into that relationship. You know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. And that the marriage that you have is between you. If you don't figure it out, if you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. And if you're not willing to make changes in your life, then you're just going to have what you've always had. And the last thing you need is somebody who's been through four failed marriages to give you advice on how you need to fix your problem. Go hang around at the water cooler and talk to your friends or sip wine and talk about your woes. That ain't going to help you. You don't need some heifer telling you to leave your husband. She trying, she waiting there for him. Did I say heifer? It just came out. Man, I think that hood is coming out. It's that gangster, baby. That gangster. Tell him that story. What story? Like, <laughs> the enemies of my spouse are my enemies. Oh, yes. If you don't like my husband, you don't like me. I had a friend one time who was like, I love you, but I don't like your husband. Guess what? I never spoke to her again. <laughs> I was like, you don't F like up. my husband? <laughs> what do you mean you don't like my husband? She wanted to know why I didn't speak to her again. I'm like, because you don't like my husband. And he is my first priority, and nothing will stand between us. So I'm not going to hear what you don't like about my husband. You go unlike, you go dislike him over there. But I'm going to make sure that I lock arms with my husband and I'm not going to hear what you don't like about him. You don't need somebody sitting on the sideline feeding you destruction to your household. And you can't open your ear to that when things aren't going your way. Yeah, and you have to be careful on what you say to people about your husband and your spouse. Right? Because if, if, if you're telling them garbage about your your spouse, then guess what? They're not going to, they're going to, you're, you're giving them your offense in that moment. But what happens is you're going to come back and you're going to make up and they still going to have their own opinions of your, of your spouse. Love covers and you have to protect and cover your spouse. It's different than when you're coming and getting counsel from somebody. You're having a rough time in your marriage and you need counsel. You need to make sure you go to the right counsel. The right counselor is going to say, you know what, let me tell you how to fix your heart. 
That's what the Say right council is going to do. The right council is going to be like, I understand there's some issues there, and I understand this, but this is going to be your part. This is how you're going to you're going to handle this. This is how you're going to you're going to pray for your husband. You're going to you know what he's he's tired when he comes in for work. I want you to massage his feet every day. What? Oh my goodness! You want me to serve my husband? Didn't you didn't you hear me that he is um, miserable when he comes home? Why do I, I want to serve misery? Because you're going to help him become a little less miserable when he comes home. He's going to be like, I can't wait to get home because that's my place of rest. That's my place of safety, peace, security. That's exactly. Can't wait to get home to see my wife. Yeah. Right now, I don't leave home. I moved my office home. Yeah, he did. And then he wants me to stay home. <laughs> I was like, sorry, babe, but I'm going out. So what we're talking about is practical things, very important things that are going to make your household strong. Mm. Right? So we're just sharing what we do. And, and you can learn, glean, get some ideas, have the Lord speak to you. But I'm trusting that the Lord is going to give you some strategies on how to overcome some of the things that have been lingering in your household that you don't know how to overcome or how to deal with. And I believe this is going to be a month of breakthrough for every household and every family where some of the things that have been going on forever that have not found resolution, there's coming resolution to it in this season. And even as Pastor Chris said it earlier, you're going to have joy in your homes in this season like no other season in your family. Mm -hmm. Can you say amen? Amen. So understanding that there has to be a manager of the household, right? I am not good at managing. I'm terrible at it. But Misty is gifted to do that, right? And so I know my part. I know what my strengths are, but I understand what her strengths are. And so I have to let her do her strengths so that we keep things in order. Right, babe? Mm -hmm. So you want to share some of the things that are important to do as a manager of a home to, to work these things out. Yes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys some insight on how I manage my home. So first of all, I understand each gift that God is giving me within my home. So I understand that my husband's gift that comes to the table is our spiritual leader. He makes sure that 100% that we keep God first in everything we do. I have to trust him in that. And anytime he says we're off in a certain area that's not putting God first, we have to make that adjustment. So he's allowed to have that voice in the house. Right. He also is got bigger muscles than I do. So he does all the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. He does anything that's hard for me to do. I'm not climbing on the roof to put Christmas lights up. I'm not taking the garbage out, which my son has been doing since he's been about, I don't know, six years old. My son is very self-disciplined. His job is the garbage. And until he leaves the house, it will be the garbage. Okay. It's not like, well, I did it yesterday. When's Paige going to do it? No, baby, that's not how it works. You're the man. You're the boy. You're doing the dirty work. Sorry. You're going to do the garbage every time and anything else that's needed. My husband also is the better cook. So, of course, he does all of the cooking. <laughs> this is amazing. But because I'm the better cleaner, I do all of the cleanup work. Us girls that like acts of service and like to be served do all the cleanup. 
So that's how it works in our household. So what we have to do is we have to take each gift that God has given us and we have to say, okay, this one's strong in this area and this one's strong in this area and this one's strong in this area and these are going to be how we run our household and you're going to do what you're strong at and I'm going to cover where you're weak at. So what you have to understand is what are the strengths within your home and what are the weaknesses within your home? We don't compare and it's not, a, it's not a fair game. We have no fair game in our home. Why do we have no fair game in our home? Exactly what my sister was saying earlier. I'm going to teach my kids that if I give you the command, I don't care that I didn't give your sister or your brother the command. I'm giving you the command because when you work for someone one day, they're going to give you commands and they're not going to ask you, did so-and-so do it next to you? So teaching work ethic in the household while you're raising your children. Raise up your children in the way you want them to go, and later on they will not depart from it. Yes. But if you are playing this game, letting your kids play this game in the household with you, fair and not fair, you raise lazy children that are avoiding responsibility and won't follow direction. Yes. So each person is responsible for their stuff, though. So I'm not going to go clean Ryzen's room, and she's not going to come clean my room. They're going to be responsible for their things, right? But in the common areas of the house, we kind of have duties that we just know those are your duties. Ryzen knows that she is going to clean the windows and sliding glass doors every time. It doesn't matter that she cries every time. She's going to do it. That's her duty. I don't care if so-and-so didn't do it. When you move out of the house, you can appoint your children to clean the sliding glass doors. <laughs> and if she doesn't do it well, guess what? She has to do it again. And if she just still doesn't do it well enough, she still has to do it again. So we've had to do the sliding glass doors sometimes up to three, four times in one sitting, right? Because there's still smudges on it. You know what that teaches them? To do it right for the first time around. Amen. In our household, we don't get upset if you, do it, if, if you don't do it good the first time around because failure is only giving up. That's how we see it. So you keep doing it until you get it right. So if you don't pass your test at school and you're failing your grade, it is so okay. You can repeat third grade. I don't care if it takes you five times, baby. You will make it. You know, what, you know what that makes them do? They're like, I want to I get through it the first time around because I want to graduate at 18 years old. So they actually put the effort in because I don't, I, don't, I don't make them mad. I don't ground them. I'm just saying, it's okay. You failed that test. I'm going to call your teacher. You're going to take it again. I don't even care if you get a good grade. You're going to do it again until you get it. And then they're like, okay, I better, I better do it. I better do it right the first time around because my mom just makes me keep doing it until I do it right. <laughs> These are principles that we live by. So the first principle, managing your home has everything to do with principle. It's not necessarily who does what, the structure. The principle is, is what is each person gifted at and how do those giftings work together and how do we work as a team and how do we work in unity to accomplish our home to be the way we want it to be. Amen? 
So you have to understand your husband's gift. You have to understand your giftedness. You have to understand the giftedness that's in each child. And when their ability of age is able to do the certain task that they're able to do. So, you know, they start little taking out the garbage, but now Blade can take out the garbage. He can wash his own clothes. He can iron his own clothes. He can cook dinner. I know, ladies. Manages money. He's a good manager of money. Yes, he is. I should let him manage it. No, I'm not. Just joking. <laughs> so, so you teach them these things, and you, uh, you have to understand the giftedness that's in them. You also have to be praying for your children and your spouse because what happens is God will, will start them off in one, when they're smaller, and as they grow, they're going to develop into more gifts. And the Lord will actually show you the gifts that God is giving them before they're actually developed, and you start pulling them up into that. So the Lord told me that my son was going to have wisdom at the age that he, I had a dream that he was standing on the stage with Nick, standing next to him, and that the Lord would give him supernatural wisdom as a young boy. And I had a dream when I was praying over him mm -hmm. that at between the ages of 12 and 13, a crown of wisdom was placed on his head. Mm -hmm. So between what the Lord says to me and what the Lord says to her, we're now saying them to our children. Yes. And now we start telling them that God is going to give you wisdom. He's going to give the ability to have wisdom at a younger age that took people many years to get. At the age of 12, he was already like, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire. Yes, I'm going to learn my finances. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend, give. He started doing his envelope system with Dave Ramsey. He, he had a job. He had a job because then he decided, okay, I'm going to do dance class, and then I'm going to teach dance class, and I'm going to sharpen my skill, and I'm going to become the best I possibly can in that skill so that when I actually receive my wages, I'm giving a good service for the wages that I receive. That's wisdom. Now he owns his own business. And he's doing well. And the Lord is blessing him. Amen. So first, prior, first thing is God first. In our household, God comes first. That means church is not an option. Working on a Sunday is not an option. Our kids could not get jobs where they could work on Sundays. That was not an option. We are in the house of the Lord. For me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Amen. And it's not just because we're preachers, because my parents did it for me and they weren't preachers. And any job I had to get, I had to make sure that I didn't work on a Wednesday and a Sunday because those were our two church days. And we were putting God first. And even when I didn't want to go to church, I still had to sit in church. And because I sat under the anointing, I sat under the word. I got all these principles that I'm using today in my household. Amen? Because everything that you put into a child will not return void. Every seed sown shall not return void. Amen? So God first. Then we make sure that we keep our hearts right. Pure hands and a clean heart shall see the Lord. Part of managing my house is checking everyone's heart. I am the heart checker. I'm like, ah, your attitude is, sucks right now. That's not good. I don't know what you're putting in, but it's coming out of your mouth. So you need to go get in your word right now because I don't know what you're watching and what you're listening to, but it's coming out of you, and it, it's, it's not any good. You need to go get that cleaned up. 
You can tell when your kids are getting off track by their attitudes and the things they're saying. And you cannot let that slide and let that thing grow because if you let it grow, it's going to produce something that's going to become a stronghold in their lives that you need the power of God to break out of them. Yes. So you want to make sure you're not allowing a foothold to the enemy to develop a stronghold, not just in your children, but because I'm the manager, I also self-reflect a lot. And I go to my husband and I say, tell me if I'm off on this area. And I give him the ability and permission to correct me and correct my heart when I need to be corrected. I also have the ability to go to my husband and say, uh, yeah, you got a little heart condition about that right now. You need to fix that. And I don't always like hearing that. No. Nobody ever likes to hear that you have a heart condition <laughs> and that you have to go fix it. Because your heart condition is bringing the atmosphere of hell into our household with chaos and disorder. And you need to do one of two things. You need to leave, fix it, and come back. <laughs> or you need to go to Elsabi and have a session with her and get your heart fixed. <laughs> this is what I tell him. And this is what I tell her. Yes. But she won't go to Elsabi. I come to you. She comes to me. <laughs> He's my covering. And Elsabi's your covering. <laughs> it works that way, you know? So it, it works well, though. It does work I don't work feel well. like I have to go to her if I really didn't have something you couldn't help me with, I'd yeah, go to her. Absolutely. So. But what's important is, we said it yesterday in our Couples Connect, is that you have to create an environment in your host, home where you want to come home. You do not want to have an environment at your house where it's stressful, where it's chaotic and out of order, where your kids don't want to come home, your spouse doesn't want to come home because of the atmosphere in there. Your kids' friends don't want to come over. Your, your kids don't want to bring their friends over. Because if your kids are not in your sight and they're hanging around with certain people and there's disorder in your household and confusion happening and all this crazy stuff, your kids are going to run off into sinful things. And so you need to protect the peace in your household and make sure that when things are starting to become unpeaceful, that we check the hearts and we center everything back to God. Does that make sense? Yep. And we make love our highest goal. So when we check our hearts, it's all about are we walking in love? So uh, it's very important that, you know, even if you're like, mm, like somebody's name gets mentioned and you're like, mm, then we're like, oh, we got you got a heart condition. We got to fix that. No, we're not going to do no mm, about anybody. So that's part of my management skills is that we make sure that the hearts in our households are good. Amen. So how we do that is we one. Preach forgiveness. Everyone in our household is held to the standard is that you need to let it go. You need to forgive. You need to forgive quickly. And you need to fix it quickly. Amen. It's, it states in the Bible that before you go to bed and you have problems with your spouse, you need to make sure you fix that before you go to bed. Amen. Well, I just made that a rule all the way across the house. You got a problem with somebody, you got to fix that before you go to bed. Because the more you allow that to to dwell in there, the more you allow that to, to sit in there, what happens is it, 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 uh, it starts a tree of bitterness that kind of pops up. And from that tree of bitterness comes bad fruit and fruit that is sour and no good. And it starts coming out of their mouth and they wonder why they're miserable. And it's because they didn't forgive. 
So we forgive quickly. We bless our enemies. We, we make sure that we are... Um, we love people regardless. We say it doesn't matter if they're picking on us because if they're picking on us, they're leaving the rest of the world alone. Hallelujah. Let them pick on us, Jesus. And we love them and we bless them and we, we pray for them. Amen? That's what we teach in our house. You know, something that I want to add to this is sometimes you get hits in your life that you can't just get over overnight. There's things that happen in your life that really shake you. You have strong faith. You have all these things. But there's moments in your life where you might have a Judas betray you. Mm-hmm. Where you get stabbed in the back in, in, in a way that it came from somebody close to you. And you don't, you need time to recover from that thing. And, and as a spouse, you have to be patient while you work through that process. Because some things are quick to get over, but other things take a little bit more time to work through. Right? Mm-hmm. And so... Understanding that you have to have flexibility, you have to be patient to work with your spouse, with your kids, and, and, and continually work on it and move forward with it. Don't let it become something that you get stuck in. But if you, if you lose somebody that you love in your household, a spouse or a child, that's not just something you just quickly walk away from. Are you with me? The thing is, you don't want to get stuck in depression yes. where your life now stops. And so there has to be that love, that support, that encouragement, that time of healing and restoring till you can get back on your feet. And as family members, we need to be sensitive about that and not be just get over it because you don't want to deal with it. Yeah, because there is deep betrayal that can happen, you know, like a spouse leaving another spouse or a friend that you had in your life for 15 years decided they're not going to be your friend any longer, right? And those are moments where you have to stand and the forgiveness still stands there and you still have to forgive, but you might have to forgive 70 times seven every single day, every single hour until that healing comes and you're able to walk that out. And then you can talk about it like it didn't even happen to you. It happened to another person. Amen. But you don't want to allow that root of bitterness to sit in. Losing a loved one can, can, there's time to heal. From that, there's a there's a time to mourn. There's a time for all of those things, and you have to make sure that you give each other those times to have that happen. And you know what? Sometimes, even if you want to make right, and you're like, "But I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to to make this relationship right with my child again." But my child just isn't coming around. You know what? It takes that moment of healing where you're like, you know what, Lord, I've done everything you've asked me to do, but I can lead the horse to the water, but I can't make it drink. I can't make it drink the water, but I know that I've done everything in me, so I release this and I trust you with it. And there's a process of a trusting the Lord with someone, especially like a child. Amen? All right, so back to the house stuff. Um, Side squirrel. Side, yeah, squirrel. All right, so um, I want to say this. In managing your home, you have to discover who's the manager of your home, right? As the manager, I have to love what I do. So that means it's a joy that I have to go into my kids' rooms every single day and wake them up, even though they should wake up with the alarm, (laughs) Right? But when you don't have them there any longer to wake them up, you're going to wish you woke them up. 
So I take joy in waking my children up. I wake every limb up. I wake every <laughs> finger up. I crawl in bed with them, and I say, hi, honey. Can you tell I'm your mom, by the way? I smell. <laughs> I do weird stuff. <laughs> and they're like, mom. And, you know, just that, ah, what are you doing? It's like, just brings me such joy. I love it. I get up a, a, I get up a half an hour early just to do that. You know, I did stop going upstairs, but the other day I did. I went upstairs and woke Blade up. It was great. So um, he wakes up on his own, but it's like you got to find joy in everything you do. You have to find joy in every day. You're going to make the plan, and you're going to remind them every single day of what's going to happen. You're going to ask your spouse, even though he is responsible to do food, I have to ask him every day what's for dinner. I don't grow tired of it. It doesn't matter. 24 years later, if I don't ask him what's for dinner, there will be no dinner. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? But I find joy in it. And then, I, then what I do is I hear in his voice because I can discern if he wants to cook or not. Right? And if he doesn't want to cook, it's okay. I'm going to make another plan. I know how to order pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I know all their favorite restaurants, La Granja. <laughs> I know what they will and will not eat. Sometimes I get frustrated. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you're not cooking tonight? Why did you give me such picky kids? <laughs> Sometimes I complain and I have to get my heart correct. <laughs> like, oh, I have to feed them? You know, in my household, you ate what was cooked. You know, not these guys. They're like, I'm going to have to show you pictures. No. He don't want me to. It's private, he says, because he doesn't want anybody to get upset or jealous. <laughs> but he serves us, and then he makes everything pretty. And then everything has, like, a, uh, an aroma. And this one likes this one with onions on it. And this one likes this one with just hot sauce. And this one likes this with just that. And it's a little bit of dab for everybody on how they like it. Huh? That's a gift he got? He has. That is a gift that he has. Yes, it's, it's yeah. in the food industry. I, and I get pleasure giving, you know, you have to eat three times a day. <laughs> Some people eat five, seven, nine, whatever. But at least you're going to eat once a day. You've got to eat every day of your life unless you're fasting or sick. All right? <laughs> food is supposed to be pleasure. You're supposed to enjoy every bite of your food. There is nothing worse than eating food that tastes horrible. That smells bad. That doesn't look good. When you look at that food, it needs to speak to you. It needs to say, I want to eat that thing. That looks scrumptious. That looks delicious. When that food goes in your mouth, if you don't like onion and there's onion in that food, no. Oh, that's horrible. So you've got to know what each person likes. And there you have to ask questions. And in asking questions, I'm teaching them to make decisions and discover what it is they like and don't like. And so when you eat that and you're, you, you're like, that's good. Oh, that brings joy to my heart. Right? Because yeah. I love it when my kids enjoy eating. I love it when I enjoy eating. I love it when the flavor slaps your brain and you're like, wow, that's good. And so every day is a feast in my house. It's never like, oh, whatever. It's got to be good. And if you eat out all the time, you're not going to be very healthy. 
<laughs> and the last thing that you want to do is train your kids to always be eating fast foods. So our kids will come home and cook before they eat fast food. Only Ryzen will sometimes eat fast food, but it's based on, like, very few in between does she eat. If I take her to McDonald's, the only thing she'll eat there is French fries. That's it. And if I give her that, like, more than, like, two months in a row, she's like, what is that? And it takes time. It takes time to go to the grocery store. It takes time to get the food. Then come home and prepare the meal. That doesn't just take five minutes. Mm -mm. It takes time. And so when you... When you're looking at what's important in your household, I want my kids to eat good food. If we don't have doctor's bills, we don't go to the doctors. We don't have cabinets full of medicine. Why? Because we eat right. Eating is important. What are you putting into your body? <laughs> and if you're eating junk all the time, you're not going to be healthy. And this is the only body you have. You know, we take better care of our cars than we do our bodies. We put gas in it every day. <laughs> we take it for its services, get its tires changed, get the oils checked, make sure it stays clean. And you know what? That car will last you 10 years. But this body has to last you for an entire lifetime. It's the only one you've got. And when this thing breaks, it's hard to fix. So take care of the body because it's the only thing keeping you on the planet. And I encourage you to make better choices. Selah. See why he's our spiritual leader? Spirit, soul, and body. <laughs> okay, so these are some of the principles that we live by. One is forgiveness. We went through that. Two, self-discipline. Do not procrastinate. If you know you have to get something done, get it done quickly because the quicker you get it done, the more you can play. Amen? That goes for all of us. We are not procrastinators. We try and get it done as quick as we possibly can in our household. We complement each other's strength. We're constantly going around saying, oh, you're great at this and you're great at that and you're great, great at job. that. Will you help me with this? So we complement each other's strengths in our home. We cover each other's weaknesses. So where one is weak, the other is strong. We do it without complaining. We do it with pleasure. We do it with love. Amen? This is how our household runs. We are happy for each other when we are blessed. I will purposely bless one child without blessing the other one. I will purposely get one child ten gifts for Christmas and give the other one three. There is no magic number if I get... Five for this one, I got to get five for that one. No, I purposely put them in position so they can be happy for one another. And if you're not happy for your, your, um, your sibling, guess what? You're going to get nothing. You're going to earn it now. Amen? So I, we do that on purpose. I will purposely, when my children were small, I would take them to Walmart and say, only Blade's getting blessed today. He gets to go down the toilet aisle and pick anything he wants. And he didn't do anything to deserve it. He's going to get blessed. Amen? And then we'd have to, they'd have to be happy for one another. You want me to tell you what that did for my children? They want to bless each other. No jealousy. I drive that spirit of jealousy out like big time. I don't let jealousy lay in our house at all. There is no room for jealousy in our house. 
You're jealous of your sibling? Guess what? You're both going to get locked in the room until you can get over it together and work it out. True story. My girls used to do that, and I'd be like, because, you know, Paige was the baby girl, and she was the princess, but then Rising came along. Why? Where's this little girl come from, you know? Why is she here? I am daddy's princess. I am mommy's princess. You know, Paige, she likes, she likes the attention. <laughs> so she, she's the boss. She's the boss. of the, and She wants to be the boss lady. So this other little thing is bossing me around and trying to boss us around and dictating when we got to do stuff now. This doesn't seem fair. We got to go around her schedule. She's a baby, you know. So anyways, as they grew older, they would bicker. So then when they would bicker, guess what? I didn't fix all their issues because it was between them two. You go and fix your issues, and when you're done, you can come out. So, and I would tell them, I'm like, and I'm going to know if it's for real because I'm going to look in your eyes, and I'm going to say, what did you fix? And if you're lying to me or if you're just saying, ah, I'm sorry, then that's not good enough for me. You go back in that room, and I want to see sincerity in your, in your heart condition. And if it's not sincere, you're going to stay in there for as long as it takes. So then they decided I would send them to the bathroom, and they'd be like, Paige decided I'm going to poop. <laughs> These are things we should not be yeah. talking about. No, I think it's good. Because this is how kids get you, but you got to win at the end of the day. So she's like, I, I, I pooped, Mom, and it stinks in here, so we need to come out. I'm like, did you fix your issue? Yeah, not really. Well, guess what? You're in a stinky situation now. You guys are going to stay in there until it's fixed. She fixed it real fast then. Motivation. Motivation. You know what's great, though, is my kids will tell, will tell you today the very best gift that we ever gave them was how to fix their heart, how to correct their hearts, how to correct their attitudes. When they got into high school and they seen other kids and these girls could like crying and jealous because the boy I like so-and-so likes, they like my friend. And they'd get all jealous and, and uh, crazy, like literally like psycho chicks. And my, my, my daughter would be like, wow, thank you, Jesus, that you taught me what you taught me so that I'm not jealous of when, when somebody else likes somebody else better than me. Or that when my friend gets blessed with a new car, I'm not mad because I don't have a new car. Or so-and-so has, has this on, but I have this on. It takes all the comparing out of the way for them, and what happens is they stand in such confidence, and they are so happy, and they compliment people around them that gets blessed, because when they go to work one day, one person gets a promotion, but the other person doesn't. So I got to be happy for the one that gets the promotion so that when I get my promotion, those around me are going to be happy for me. Amen? These are principles that you have to live by in your home, and this is all part of managing your home. Amen? Not only are you managing your home, but you're teaching them the principles they need that's going to take them through life. Amen? So we complement each other. We cover each other's weaknesses. That, and when we that also breeds that when, they, when they're in the workplace, that when they see someone who has a weakness, they're not picking on the weakness and complaining about what the other person isn't doing. They're covering the weakness of their other worker. And then it, they, they start working as a team. Amen? Okay. 
We're happy for each other being blessed. Not being lazy, but being responsible. So if, we're, if we have laziness in the house, we make sure that we address the laziness and we have house meetings. So I will call a house meeting. I mean, I'm sure, I think Van has been part of those house meetings. Today we're having a house meeting. And I like to, what I like to do is I like to prep them like two days in advance. So they're like, oh my God, we're having a house meeting. What's going to happen in the house meeting? You know what I mean? And let them ponder on it. What's happening? What are we not doing, guys? Guys, you were assaulting the counter. This is a true story. I called a house meeting because they, assaulting the counters means that they spread all the salt and somehow it's not getting on their plate, but it's getting all over the counter. And every day, because when you cook, it's is like, assaulted. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but it's not just during cook times. So I was like, why is the salt? Why is the counters always assaulted here? So, <laughs> and this is we find joy in doing this. And I'm like, all right, we have to have a house meeting, guys. Could we please, when we're done, like preparing our, can we just wipe the counter off so it's not assaulted? <laughs> Yeah, she's like, come look here. What do you see? <laughs> it's just like dust, like the desert. <laughs> but it's just salt. <laughs> I'm like, I was going to put a sign up, but I thought that would just be too, too OCD. So I just thought we'd have a house meeting. I'm not assaulting the counters, guys. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, it's the little fun. things that irritate you. And if you just let those things pile up and you don't talk about it and get it sorted out, then there comes an explosion. And man, when they're like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> what is wrong with him? She's having a bad day. No. So talk about it. Work those things out. Get through it quickly. Keep peace. Keep things light. Yeah. You know, and make fun. Enjoy it. Don't always make it so stressful. Amen. Yeah. Some things are just lazy and then some on our responsibilities and some things are, you know, it's, it's what we're weak in and that we're, we're covering. Well, we're just don't know. We're assaulting the counter. Yeah. And then we had to come up with some common grounds. Well, dad, when he cooks is allowed to assault the counter. It's going to be our job to clean up the counter after dad's done cooking. But if you just go and warm something up in the microwave and then you put it on the counter and you salt your plate and you assault the counter then when the kitchen's already clean, then you must wipe the, the counter off. You know what I mean? Like we had to come to some like common grounds when we discussed that. So that's one of them. So do not be lazy. Be responsible. Everybody in the house is responsible for something. And we all pull our weight together because if one person's not pulling their weight on a reg, then it's kind of brings an irritants into the house. Amen. So we all pull our weight. My rule is, is am I still up? Am I still working? Then you are. I'll go into my kids' room and be like, hey, what you doing in here? And they're like, oh, relaxing on my phone. I'm like, relaxing on your phone? I want to relax on my phone too. Am I still up? They know what that means. Yes, mom. Okay, get up. You can lay in bed at 8 o'clock when I lay in bed. <laughs> you got up after me this morning. <laughs> there are times where, you know, they're extra tired and they had extra curricular practices. activities and extra practices. And I know they're, they're really tired. So I'll, I give some allowances for that. There's times where I'm working extra hard and Nick gives me allowances while he's cooking instead of me cleaning. And then there's times where I know that he's exhausted because he's been tearing down the playground and he's not going to come home to cook. I'm going to make sure that I get dinner and we cover each other in those time frames. Amen. 
So as the manager, you have to, di- you have to discern when those times are, and you have to keep that in balance. We have a can-do attitude in our, in our house. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. We don't have a defeat mentality. We have a can-do attitude. We are always talking about where God's taking us, what we're going to do, and how we're going to do it, and when we're going to do it, and what plan we're going to do. And we always know that we're speaking into existence what God has got for us in the future. Amen? We are a good steward of our belongings. That means we take good care of the things that we are given. That means if, if God has blessed me with something and he's blessed me with a car, I'm going to be a good steward of what he has blessed me with. If my kids have gotten stuff in their clothes, they're a good steward of how they keep their clothes and what they do with those clothes because they're going to eventually give those clothes down to somebody and I want to make sure that your clothes that you're giving is in good condition so that the next person can get blessed. Amen? We have accountability for our actions. That means if we have a bad attitude, there's accountability for our attitude. I tell my kids this. What is the difference between spoiled and blessed is your attitude. So if your attitude is, you owe me this, I deserve that. No, that's entitlement, honey. I don't owe you anything. You, are, you either choose to be blessed or you choose to be spoiled. And if you're spoiled, then mama's going to help you. True story, Paige went bragging to her friends what she had and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? She came home and she didn't have nothing left in her closet. I gave it all away. And we had to go down to the local Goodwill and go get her stuff. She learned a good lesson. So there's accountability for my actions and accountability for my attitude. She, she did that with her snack shack money too when she was little. And guess what? That little girl that she bragged to, she got her snack shack money for the next month. You see, in the household, you can make threats, but you've got to follow through. And yeah. if you say, I'm going to do this, and then you don't follow through, they know they can pull one over you the next time. So your word has to be your word. And Missy doesn't play games as the manager. Can you say amen? <laughs> I learned that from my parents. If they told me that we didn't have a car for a month, we didn't get a car for a month. If they said, if I catch you skipping school again, you are not going to have a car. Guess what? They called us skipping school, and we had our car revoked for the next we, we Not revoked. They gave it away. <laughs> they literally gave a car away just because we skipped school. And then you know what we had to do? We had to ride the bus. That is devastating when you are a teenager, 16 years old, and you got your own car. And then all of a sudden, you have to ride the yellow bus again. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? <laughs> they were going to be make sure. My dad had eyes on the road. He did asphalt. So we thought we were getting away with stuff. And then one of his buddies would call him and be like, hey, I think I just seen your kid driving mm-hmm. down the street. <laughs> we couldn't get away with anything. So if, if, it was, if they said it, it was done. So I, I adopted that same thing. If, I, if we said it, we agreed on it, it's done. There's been a few things. Ryzen kind of gets away with a little bit more. She's the baby. I know. I know, sister. She gets away with murder. She gets away with a lot more than the rest of them. But you know what? She, she's kind of a wise child. She kind of learns from wisdom more than pain. Yep. So she watched Paige do a lot of stuff, and then she's like, I am not going to do that. I'm not doing that. that. I'm not repeating so. that cycle. <laughs> She's like, my mom will, da, 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 da. and like she hasn't even experienced that. So it's great. All right. 
So the other, the, the last thing I want to, I want to leave you with is I'm believing that the Lord is going to give you the ability to see the gifts that are on your family members, on your children, because I really believe that as parents that you will call into existence the gifts that are in them. So when the Lord showed me that, that Blade was going to stand in wisdom, I started speaking that over him. When the Lord showed me he's going to unlock praise on him, I remember him up here and barely dancing. I'm like, come on, get into praise. The Lord showed me that he's going to unlock praise on you. And it wasn't, it wasn't happening, but I still spoke it over him. And then one day the spirit of praise just unlocked on him. Then I seen that the Lord was going to give him a voice. He was so timid. He wouldn't take a microphone. He wouldn't, he wouldn't share out. He wouldn't even, like, if his sister didn't go into the grocery store with him, he wasn't going to go into that grocery store. He was such a timid child, but God took all of that off of him. He gave him a voice. He'll stand up here and he will preach the gospel with authority and boldness on him. And I'm believing that the Lord is going to give you guys abilities to see over your children, that, that every generational curse that you've had to deal with, it stops with you. And it doesn't continue in your household. Actually, in service today, while I was sitting in worship, the Lord was showing me people that was in the house that, that God was, um, how God had blessed them. Angel, you're one of them. I, I was like, man, she's going to have the Nana of the, of the Year Award because she took all her grandkids. And she does this all the time. And now they're getting bigger so they can, like, help each other. But I was like, wow, because you said yes to the Lord, your girls serve the Lord in ministry, and your children will be in ministry. And I was like, so I'm standing in worship, and I'm standing here, and I'm like, all right, Lord, thank you, Father, for angel, Father. I thank you, Father, that you bless her, Father. And then I get a glimpse, and I've been calling Chris's sons the sons of thunder. And I'm like, all right, the sons of thunder, Father, yes. They're going to wreck heaven on the, on, the, on the enemy's camp. And God says to me, you know what? They break things because they're going to break things in the spirit. That's what the, the Lord is showing me. So you have to start getting glimpses of your kid's future. And, and I'm like, all right, Lord. So now I'm like, yes, Jesus, don't tame them. Don't tame them, Jesus. Let them break things in the spirit. And Nick starts praying and says, there's gifts unlocking in the house. And I'm like crying because the Lord is showing me the gifts that he's going to unlock in these kids. Amen. So you guys have to press in and you have to seek the Lord's face and you have to don't tear people down in your household. Speak them up. That's where it's at. Part of managing your household is to speak your people in your household, the gifts that are within each person, to speak them up. Amen? But you have to seek in, you have to pray, and you got to get in your, in your secret place, and you have to start asking the Lord, Lord, show me. Show me, Jesus. Show me how to develop this gift that you have given me. Show me what I have. Woo! The things that our kids will do will be beyond the things that we did. Our ceiling is their floor. Amen? I'm starting to already see it into reality. I'm sitting at the front. Alyssa, I know that you're going to have a business. You're going to get your master's degree, and we are going to buy a business, and you're going to have that business. So right now, you're in your development stage because you're serving another person's vision, but God's going to give you one of your own. And you're going to know what to do and what not to do. And she's going to be the best RBT business in St. Lucie County. And millions of dollars will flow through your hands. All because she said yes. Amen?
All because her parents said yes. All because they said, you know what? We're going to do the will of God no matter what it looks like. And her children will be blessed and their children will be blessed. And we're going to set up generational blessings. Amen? So part of the manager's job is to discern the gifts that God has given you and to develop them, speak over them, pray over them, and ask the Lord for supernatural ability to raise the gift. Paige is full of boldness. And, and she, she's just not afraid of anything. Since she was a child, we go to Disney World, where's Paige? We don't know, she's gone. I'm like, if anybody needs a leash, it's her. <laughs> She'd leave the house. She'd leave the house. At two, three years old, she could figure out how to do the lock, the childproof lock, and get out the door. And I'm like, how? I just needed to go to the toilet for a second. And she, she's, if she decided she was going to do it, she was going to do it. Where was Paige? On the playground in the neighbor's yard that I told her she couldn't go on. Mom is going to the bathroom. I'm going to get out of the house, and I'm going to go down to that, to the neighbor's thing. But you know what? I had to pray, and I had to say, Lord, this child is tough. And the Lord started showing me she is a gift. She has boldness. It's part of who she is. She has, she has the ability to speak her mind. She's going to manage, and she's going to show her how to speak it in truth, in love. Show her how to love people, but speak the right things into their life. So I started praying, and I said, Lord, show me how to develop this gift. I don't want to break the gift. I want to develop it. So teach me, Jesus, how to do that. So part of the manager's job is that you seek the face of the Lord. You're always asking God for guidance and to be able to develop the gifts that he has in front of you. Amen? That's it. Selah. Selah. You know, um, one of the things, over the years, you've had to learn how to use the gift you have in the right way. Yes. Because when, when you're in that position, if it's not done in love and it's done out of frustration, it just brings such chaos and disorder into the household. Yeah. And there's a tearing down that happens in the house. And so staying in the presence and keeping yourself centered in the Lord and making sure your relationship with your spouse is in order. you got to fight to keep the peace because if you don't have peace, you can't make wise decisions. And it's all about the atmosphere that you have in your household and you want your home to be a secure place for things to grow right. Yes, that is true because part of it in the beginning when I was learning to be the manager – and understand what I was because I didn't understand I was the manager. And I used, to, I used to get irritated at Nick because I would expect him to do the management and to get certain things done. And why are you not doing it? Why do I have to tell you every time to do the same thing? I don't understand why I have to do that. Right? Well, then the Lord showed me that that's part of my giftedness and it's not part of his giftedness. And I have an expectation on him that he isn't meeting because I put an expectation that's not in him to do. So when the Lord spoke to me on that, then I said, all right, God, 
I'm going to correct my attitude. What in me needs to change? If I get irritated because I have to tell my kids the same thing every single day, what in me needs to change? What button is that pushing in me? Why do I feel like I'm not being heard? Why do I get angry every time I'm not being heard? Why do I have these outbursts every time I'm not heard? How come when it's not on my time frame, I'm going nuts, oh, and I'm like a drill sergeant, and I'm bringing destruction to my home instead of peace? I had to correct me as the manager. I had to correct my attitude. I had to correct um, how I did things. I had to correct how I was speaking. I had to correct myself and say, you know what? Count it as joy that you get to do this now because one day your kids will be grown and they will be out of the house and you would be wishing that you had that time to go take them to cheerleading and basketball and dance and everything else and you're not, and, and, and sitting in the car at late nights, you're gonna wish that that was there again. So the Lord started showing me how to enjoy every moment. And he showed me how to be flexible because I was unflexible. As a manager, this is how it is and this is how it's going to go. Well, that's not a good trait in the management <laughs> in the management stuff. Because what happens is there's always going to be something that pops up. Right? And you have to be willing and flexible to change things as they need to. Yes, Nick cooks every day, but today he's tired and he doesn't want to cook. So am I going to get mad and irritated because he didn't tell me this three days ago? <laughs> three days before? <laughs> like you knew you were going to be tired. You knew you had all this going on. How come you didn't tell me this then? Then I could have planned it. I could have gone to the store. I could have made provision, but now... What am I going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to say, oh, my husband's not going to do that. No problem, babe. I got this. I got this. But I had to work on me as the manager to come to that place where I didn't allow things to irritate me. And part of keeping your heart clean is anytime you move into anger, anytime you move into irritation, anytime you move into frustration, you don't be checking everybody else's heart. You have to check your heart. Amen? So I had to do a lot of checking my heart to get it straight so that I could deliver what I needed to deliver in the right manner. That way, when I was, when I was disciplining my children, when they weren't doing things the right way, I wasn't doing it out of anger. I was doing it out of love, truth and love, and it's delivered an entirely different way than when you get yourself in anger. Now, is there still times that every once in a while I get into anger? Yes. But you know how you fix that? You go and apologize and you humble yourself even to your children. If you discipline them in anger, it's not that what you said and what you did was wrong, but the way it was delivered was wrong. So you have to go to them and say, you know what, mommy, sorry, I shouldn't have cussed you out. <laughs> this is real, guys. Yeah. But I love you so much. I know that this is not for you. And this is what's bad. And I, mommy got frustrated because I want you to break through so bad because I understand that this is going to hinder you. And this is going to be a problem in your life. So it's not what I was telling you that was wrong, but the, 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 the words I used was wrong. And I was wrong for that, so I apologize. But this is what we're going to do to fix it. So humility, when your kids watch you do humility, if, you're not, if you don't have kids in the house and it's just you and your spouse, it's the same thing. 
You have to go to them and you have to humble yourself. Babe, I know that you said you didn't want to do dinner and I did it anyways, but I had a bad attitude and I'm sorry for that. And I'm and next time that things come up, I want to make sure I do that with a good attitude because when you serve us, you serve us fully with everything you have and I want to make sure I give you the exact same service. I'm sorry for the way I served you. I forgive you. That's how we do it. So even if I did the act, but I did it with a bad attitude, I still, we still go back and make right because we can't just leave the attitudes out there. We have to do the humble act because if you don't do the, the humility, you won't change it next time. You just think it's okay to act that way. Is this helping anybody? It's good, right? And so I'll close with this scripture. It says in Genesis chapter 2, when the curse was pronounced because of the disobedience, it says in verse uh, 16, uh, he says, you, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. In pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband and he will rule over you. The thing that you have to settle in your household is who's the boss. And the way that you settle that thing is you find out where the strengths are and you yield to one another's strengths. There's no, we, we, we submit one to another. And so we work together so that we're strong across the board and we discover where everybody's strong and we raise the strengths, right? So stand with us as we close today. You know, I'll say this too, men. The reason my wife is so good at what she does is because I didn't put her gift down. I let her be who she is and encouraged her to fully step into that instead of trying to always change her. And the thing is, you don't want to change the other person. You want them to become fully who they are. Are you with me? And the reason she can stand here and do what she's doing today is because I allowed that gift to grow. And it grew in a house of peace. And as a father, as the man of the house, you are the husband. You are the house bond. You're the one that keeps the household together. And if you ever leave your place before God, your house will come down. Amen. So I want to encourage the men here to stand firm in the things of God. Keep pulling your family towards the things of God. Amen. Seek the Lord yourself. Find yourself in the Lord's presence. I shared this several weeks ago. There, there was a moment in my life because men are told that you're the provider. You're the one that has to have it all together. You should know all the answers. You should know where you're going. You should know how to fix everything. Because you're the man. And there are these responsibilities that are put on us that this is the woman's duty, this is the man's duty. And if you follow what the customs and the patterns of the world are and what everybody else is doing, it's not going to work for your house. You have to find the gifts that are within you and you have to figure out how to work together as a team being strong. And I remember the day where I came to the place where I surrendered and I said, God... Without your help, I cannot lead my household.
And there comes a moment in every man's life where you have to surrender yourself to the Lord and say, I'm trusting you, God, to help me provide. I'm trusting you, Lord, to help me lead. I'm trusting you, Lord, to show me the way that we need to go. I'm trusting you, Lord, to show me what you've given in my household. And until you go to the Lord and ask Him to unlock those things and you surrender to His Lordship, the order in your house isn't coming together. Because if man rebels against God, woman will rebel against the husband and the children will rebel against their parents. There has to be divine order in your home. Amen. And we want to build strong families. And so what we're teaching you is the practical things that we've discovered. We've had a lot of moments where we've knocked our heads, but we've learned quickly. And we've found the wisdom and we found the right way to do it because we want to be better. Amen. Better spouses, better parents. And I believe God is going to show you the things and he's been showing you the things. And as you apply these things, you're going to see breakthrough. Amen. So, so, Father, I thank you today for every person in this place, God. I thank you, Lord, for our homes. I thank you for our families, Lord. And, Father, wherever the enemy has sown seeds of division, wherever the enemy has tried to divide what you have put together, God, I thank you, Lord, that we are seeing the enemy's plans and strategies. And, Lord, that we are standing against those plans. And, Lord, I thank you that wherever destruction has come, even in this finishing season of the year, you're going to bring restoration, Lord God. I thank you for the resurrection power and the life of God that breathes upon you and your homes as you make decisions to put things in order. And I thank you, Father, that supernaturally you're going to do things in the household. And we declare that this will be the greatest season of joy you and your family have ever experienced. In Jesus' mighty name, can you say amen? Hallelujah. Lift up your name.